0: So listeners, we are ending January, the month of ethics and criticism, on a much more positive and optimistic note. With me today is Alan B. Smith, the host of what used to be known as Paranormal Now, but has since changed to the more spiritually inclined and zen name of Mystic Lounge. Because both Alan and myself believe that the vocabulary we use to describe the world around us actually helps manifest that same reality. We sat down today, without any sort of plans and just ended up talking about co-creation, about how not just the words we use, but also the intent we send out and the attention we provide to the universe helps shape and mold reality itself. And are there truly mysteries somewhere out there, or are we all just living in the mystery that we may be collectively generating with our own minds? Okay, listeners, today with me is Alan B. Smith, who hosts what used to be paranormal now and is now known as Mystic Lounge. Hello, Alan.
1: Hey, Vuk. How
0: are you? (laughs) Long time no see. Well, uh, a few months. So for the the listeners who are not in the know, I was on Alan's show a few months ago talking about the Gaia hypothesis. I mean, what else will anybody have me on on their show for?
1: (laughs) Well, I think you have a lot lot of value beyond that. Um, Yes, yes. But I'm I'm glad we had a chance to discuss that on the show. And thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: No problem. Well, I wanted to say like uh, being on your show because you're a much bigger show obviously than me and you talk with uh, so many important names in the field I'm like wow this was a very profound experience and I was on like where did the road go I was on dreamland recently but your show kind of sticks out as a very very positive experience for me
1: oh thank you I I appreciate that yeah look I mean we're all like none of us are perfect I'm not perfect you know I screwed up a lot especially earlier in my life and you know of course I go through mistakes and today and I am always trying to improve myself and so when I when i'm doing a show it's i'm kind of pushing myself to be you know to grow so that's the purpose you know it's like mm-hmm. if i've been depressed in the past like i know what it's like to be stuck in that place for a long time so you know even though every once in a while i'll get like a little spout like a little little spurt of that here and there right like i'll get a little seasonal anxiety depression will kick in and it, you know last for like a week or so until i, I kind of shake it off but what I've been able to do over the years, and, and a lot of it, you know, has to do with my combination of my addiction recovery work, but also the the podcast is to really get myself into a place where my baseline really is like, I'm I'm happy with life. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think you know, like I'm happy. And even like on those really challenging days, even when there's something going on in politics, and I'm like angry, you know, my baseline is, is, is stable now. And I feel good. And I also want people to have that experience when they come to listen to the podcast as well you know that's why i make sure i have a good strong cup of coffee before i start you know so i can so i can get into my vibe and feel good because
0: are you gonna promote alien coffee on my (laughs) own show
1: yeah no 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 well you just did though (laughs)
0: Amen. but Mm. I I immediately recognized being on your show that you promote a more positive outlook on the paranormal, which is something that we are lacking quite a lot in the field. And even me through my show, I am promoting this more optimistic view of of the weird and the strange and Mm. the darkness. It is not always scary, though it is perceived as such, and maybe it is intentionally that way. So we may, you know, be brought to the point in our lives where we can maybe deserve the the goodness of the paranormal in a way. Now, I know that you peeked into the darkness and uh, Mm -hmm. and into that scary stuff, but I have been listening to your show for quite a while, and I have realized that there is some kind of parallel between myself and you. Like I am doing my show as a kind of spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every guest I have on is imprinted into me and is incorporated into my being, and I become a changed person with every interview I do. And I grow and I learn. And I see that you have been doing that with a much larger number of people and much bigger names as well. So I wanted to ask you, like your show, doing your show, has it been maybe a spiritual and maybe shamanic experience for you?
1: Yeah, shamanic, if I can use that term loosely, sure. Uh, Because one, there is a sort of ritualistic element to it, right? I mean, you're going through the preparation of the show, you're researching, trying to find your guest, And then when you have your guest, you're, you know, looking into them, reading their book, whatever it might be, and preparing for the show. And then when you go to sit down, it's like, okay, this is an hour of sacred time. You know, that's that's how I approach it. It's really important. It's something to have fun with and also to, something to take uh, seriously. So that's why I changed the name to Paranormal Now to Mystic Lounge, because I think that better expresses mm-hmm. that experience.
0: And also you are now having much more new age spirituality focused guests. Can you elaborate maybe on that? Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Okay, so a couple of things happened. So one, Paranormal Now, it was something I titled it years ago, and because it's sort of cornered me into a podcast market of like a certain expectation a
0: certain expectation of being scary of uh, being scary you know, and <laughs>
1: of certain topics too yeah. and uh, I never boxed myself in but the name kind of does that for you because unfortunately people have appropriated that name to mean ghosts and scary things it used to be a much broader name and I still encourage people to try to use it that way but I wanted to make it mystic lounge because that's what it is there's a there's it's that mystical aspect of All paranormal topics. And it also is a wide enough term to encompass philosophy spirituality and just curiosity about life so mm-hmm. now i can you know if you're coming to mystic lounge you're not coming to mystic lounge expecting paranormal only topics
0: yes yes and i understand also you needed to do that maybe because of the guests if you want to have more spiritually oriented guests mm-hmm. they don't want to come on a show that's called paranormal that right insinuates this <sighs> this view of the paranormal as ghost hunting because of all the tv shows on Travel channel
1: yeah there's no shaky cameras on the podcast <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no. And you did emphasize like what the word paranormal means to you mm-hmm. for your segment that you did for Strange Semantics, the joint project uh, I did with Campfire Tales. You did emphasize that we should maybe reclaim the term.
1: I do, yeah. I, I believe that totally, even though, yes, I did change the name of the podcast. I think there needs to be a way to do that. And I don't know how that's going to be done other than I think the old fashioned way, to be honest. I think that the television shows that are put out there and the books that are written because they get those mass audiences and they can create change regarding to topical trends. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the way to do it, but it's totally out of my scope. But I think that if enough podcasters start talking about it in terms of, Hey, you know what? Paranormal is also UFOs. You know, paranormal is also the debate about whether there's a God or not a God. Uh, th- that It's, it, it's also Bigfoot and Bigfoot. It's, it's, yes supernatural, it's spiritual, it's metaphysical, it's speculative, but it's also undiscovered or unproven scientific claims. Mm -hmm. So it's a broad term and that's exactly how it should be used. And again, like it's been appropriated by those television shows, particularly in like the early 2000s.
0: Yes. I actually wanted to ask you, so on your show, you emphasize a lot the possibility of say promoting scientific research into the paranormal Mm -hmm. and how it could be funded. And uh, you, you mentioned Project Galileo a lot and similar type of stuff. Do you think the paranormal is just the unknown or is there an element of an unknowable, something that cannot be proven scientifically or researched?
1: I think that there are probably things that are unknowable for the next 500 years. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I think that science might be able to crack the biggest mysteries of the universe, which is to say that they might find out that there are multiple other universes out there that are yet to be discovered, which is to say uh, we're talking about perhaps hundreds, if not thousands of years of humans still learning about that next place you know right now we're learning about earth right even if we have a fundamental understanding of physics even if we learn how to travel interstellarly you know through uh alcubierre drive uh-huh. we still have to go planet to planet each planet's going to be a new discovery it's going to be different it's like earth were if you're you know back in the day when we didn't have cars it was an endless place i mean if you traveled just by walking or by you know taking a horse you could spend a lifetime more than a lifetime trying to discover every nook and, care. and we don't even know about the oceans here yes on earth for goodness so there's so much to learn even if we understand the fundamentals of the, like the, the structure of the nature of the universe it's exciting and even recently i think it's funny that i don't feel like the news has really gotten excited about this as much as they should be but the fact that there's a major breakthrough in fusion
0: mm-hmm.
1: we should be like holy cow this is amazing you know it's a christmas <laughs> gift and th- thank you for dating this episode because it's probably going to be up in months <laughs> okay okay well hopefully in months people will still be talking about it i I hope so if not then i'm glad that i brought it up because it's um this is groundbreaking and in 20 years from now we could very conceivably be living in a world where um beginning with government institutions you know that have the big budgets to put in to put those plants up in the first place to run fusion energy we'll we'll start putting you know those functions online and in 30 years it will be normal it'll be normal to have fusion energy and um, the oil industry will be essentially kaput except for plastics we won't be burning coal we won't be burning you know fossil fuels we won't be fracking anymore and even the you know solar panels might be outdated by then i'm I'm sure there'll be some you know use or capacity for solar panel and wind and whatnot you know we're talking about fusion energy which is clean there's no radioactive waste and it's the fuel is hydrogen which is endless in the universe you know just our oceans alone have plenty of it so we live in a really exciting time so even even if we don't figure out how to traverse using warp, you know, speed, we're, we, we're going to have spaceships. We're going to have interstellar stellar spaceships that could travel, you know, between the nearest star system within 50 years, right? That, that's really exciting.
0: I think, man, I may have underestimated just how optimistic you are. <laughs> 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 but it's nice. It's yeah, always yeah. when talking with you, you are always nice. You're always optimistic. That, that's something we need in this field and not fear mongering. Or, or if, you, if you don't mind yeah. my
1: saying, um, or over promising or, or BSing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we saw recently these videos released of Corey Good, his deposition videos. And, you know, not that you, people didn't know, but some people didn't know that he was making stuff up about extraterrestrials and the future of humanity. And a lot of the people that do that, they're sending these positive love and light messages, yes. but under a f- false pretense. It it's not real. And that's the worst part. So I feel like oftentimes people who are who are bringing a positive message via these fields are often are charlatans. Not not all the time, but but too often. They have too big of a following. And it's because they they color it in you know, like a like a salesperson, um, you know, selling a, a graphic novel to a bookstore, mm-hmm. and it just it works, and people fall for it. So I think that we need to, a lot of us need to really just be like, hey, there's a beautiful way to to filter reality through these topics without having to get lost in someone else's fantasy.
0: Well, I have heard you quite a, uh, a lot throughout the past year. And I know that you are very open to the idea of manifestation and co-creation mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So when we're talking about charlatans, of course, that, that example you provided, I mean, that's what, what we see today with a new age people who are trying to scam believers. But like, think of back in the spiritualism movement when a lot of them were, you know, charlatans and hoaxers. But then again, there's this possibility that uh, these mediums were... Conducting hoaxes in order to spark genuine phenomena, or you can think of the Philip experiment if you're aware of that. So do you mm-hmm. think that there can be a value in hoaxing, in kind of uh, focusing the intent of a group of people to spark something genuine?
1: I I think so, but I think it's pretty limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that I can't say it's easy to do because it's not. If it was, things would be you know manifesting left and right. Um, and so why does it seem to work sometimes? and not other times i don't know but if you're talking about the direction of your own life then the the power of intent is a real thing i just don't understand don't know what it is where it derives from Mm -hmm. i think first and foremost you have plenty of atheists out there that are successful people so they put an intention out into the world and they work hard and they they get it right so from their perspective, it's like, well, there's nothing supernatural here. I just, you know, figured it out. Like, this is what I wanted to do. I made mistakes along the way and I got there and voila, I manifested my, my future. On the other hand, there are people that really think that if you just meditate on something enough, you're kind of, you're opening up. A, if anyone saw the movie Donnie Darko from years ago, mm-hmm. a kind of like the tendrils, those tendrils, yeah, you know, that in, mm-hmm. sort of invisible portal, like a little vortex, that kind of, it's like almost like a current in the ocean. So you create this kind of current because of your intention, and if now, as long as you work towards it, you know things will go easier for you. But nothing ever comes without effort. I was a part of a, a a job, a company, and we were interviewing this person one day and literally in the interview, he was talking about how he believed in like the secret and the power of intention and he believed that that's how he got that interview. But he didn't do the work. And so, let's just say he was super positive and, you know, prayed, meditated, believed so deeply in the power of intention uh-huh. that it, that it worked that he got himself this opportunity, but then what happened? What He wasn't prepared. He wasn't studied. He lacked some basic skill sets that probably could have learned in a month. And it was because he was solely relying on the magic that the secret promised. And so even if you're know you you're able to tap into whatever that flow is, yes. it, it, it doesn't do you any good if you're not prepared for what comes next.
0: I think any form of manifestation requires not just intent, but a sacrifice. Mm. Like you you need to be inconvenienced in some way in order for yourself to manifest something.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you consider that a sacrifice, an inconvenience
0: or Mm -hmm. time spent. I don't mean like a blood sacrifice. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's that too. We're way beyond that as a civilization.
1: Because, yeah, we have that too. I mean, I have a guest coming on uh, next month and we're going to be talking about voodoo and Hoodoo, you know, another uh, African-American Caribbean um, uh, religions and, you know, some of those uh, and at some African religions too, where, yeah, there's a little bit of sacrifice that goes on. And for me, that's all ritual. It's kind of like doing the podcast like we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier. Whatever it is you use, whatever your ritual is, your talisman against evil, it could be a necklace that someone gave you as a, as a gift. And you just believe that whenever you wear that necklace, it brings you good energy. That's I think that's from your mind. It's symbolic. Mm -hmm. So whether it's, you know, sacrificing a, a lizard, you know, lighting candles and going through that ritual,
0: or just sacrificing your attention and time, which is something that we don't have a lot of nowadays.
1: Well, well that's a thing
0: L- like ba- back then sacrificing a goat meant a lot because that means you you have one less goat to eat and feed your family mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. was a huge sacrifice because you are basically risking the well-being of your whole family surviving a winter you know mm-hmm. but nowadays that does not mean much but what means much is sacrificing your time your your attention and in a way it kind of is a sacrifice
1: but it shouldn't be people getting torn away from their time on and instagram or tiktok or mm-hmm. facebook or youtube like for, for a lot of people it feels yeah it feels like a sacrifice
0: we're manifesting those portals yes maybe uh, twitter and instagram are are giant egregores that we have manifested uh i think they're yeah <laughs> i think they're
1: they're demigordons is what they are it's like you know and we've gotten a, addicted to them so like I, I mean i i i fight it almost every single day yeah there's a there's a moment every single day where i i put down the phone and i go enough, Jesus, you know, like enough, stop, you know, even if I'm on there for five minutes and I just feel like that's five minutes that I didn't need to be on there. And I think, I think that's where I'm, I'm, I'm spending more time on Twitter now, which I'm, I'm actually beginning to like, because I've f- I'm able to put it down much easier. Mm-hmm. And even though I, I'd hate coming across across so many people in the, the ufology field um in particular that are just like toxic people, man. Like really? Yeah, UFO Twitter. Yeah. And it's not and, and again, it's just like Twitter, it's not the majority of people. But the problem is I can't help it. Because if I'm interested in a thread, I'm mm-hmm. reading down the thread. So there's no way for me to avoid reading something toxic, right? It's like it's right there. That's what's different about social media and real life. Right. In real life, if someone's toxic, you're just like, you walk up, you know, that's not your, that's not going to be your friend or you're going to say to your boss, Hey, I can't work with this person. It's not working out. Whatever it is, you're able to actually avoid people physically. Whereas with social media, it just, it just scrolls across your screen and you see things and you're like, Oh, you know, someone posts like a nasty meme. Well, there's no way for me to avoid that. I'm just scrolling through, but I am able to put it down much quicker than I used to with Facebook. Facebook, I almost don't spend any time on anymore. I pop in, I post something, make a couple comments and I'm out because it, it'll suck me in if I spend too much time there it's, and it's not healthy at all. And I'd much rather be be reading. And on the other side of that is I don't post. Like, you know, I have my moments, my days, my weeks where I post a little bit more than others, but I don't post the way you're supposed to post um, to self-promote because I, I just doesn't feel right to me. You know, like if I feel like I want to post something, that's when I'm going to post it. No one is paying me, you know, Yeah, like, but, but no one's paying ever, me to post all the time. So do you ever I, feel yeah. you're,
0: you're not promoting yourself, but your guests, I often feel that way. Like I sometimes don't, don't want to post mm-hmm. and then I'm thinking, well, my guest maybe wants it to be post posted because I have a responsibility towards every guest I have on the show.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And that that's, I always post about the guests and, you know, sometimes I'll post like a clip, you know, it can be mo- weeks or months later maybe. And, um, that's, that's what's most important, but I'm just talking about, you know, mm-hmm. where we, put our personal attention like how much time do you spend on that because you can spend a lot of time posting on instagram and you know curating what you're going to post typing it up all that what's better for my podcast putting my time and energy into posting something on social media on three different platforms or putting that attention towards researching and reading you know maybe watching other videos and listening to other podcasts that that feed my podcast and and my uh-huh. guests because the quality of the interview is more important to me than anything else yeah and you know I think what like before social media podcasts didn't need social media it was just podcasts that like people found podcasts you search for something that pops up you, whether you like it or not you stick with it um, and I see that you know on my podcast like there's people listening to old episodes from a long time ago and um that you know that's that's where I want to keep my attention because kind of like intention you know where you place your attention is what you value the most so uh-huh. one day I would love to get to the point where I can spend more time Time, like you know, building a, a bigger social like social media presence and all that stuff. And you know, I, I love the idea of community and having those ongoing discussions. But like as I was saying earlier, I have another project that I'm working on this year, which is going to take up a lot of my time. And for me, doing a deep dive into something is is satisfying. But and being able to come out of it and share
0: that with others, I, that that's a great feeling. I, I love that. Okay, can you maybe share something about that project? I, I already know because you told me before we recorded. But if you can. Say anything. Yeah, uh,
1: I, I mean, I, I don't want to say exactly what it is because it it might sort of change
0: its uh, form. So I'm, uh, I'm always ret- ret- reticent to say. Maybe me knowing is going to change it in a in a psychic way. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe yeah
1: well uh, but it's going to be I'm researching um well okay so it's ufology it's a ufo topic but I'll be looking at a whole lot of cases including some uh, supernatural cases as well I have a hypothesis that I'm running with I'm going to you know write it out, see where it takes me. This is why I don't want to say it out loud yet, because because mm-hmm. you don't know always know where a project's going to take you. It's Just like Half Light, the documentary, or the first documentary my wife and I did, Born Equal, it, it always ends up different than what you expect. So I'll see, I'll see where it takes me. But I'll just say this: um, it might, or it probably will, <laughs> ruffle a lot of uh, debunkers' feathers. But it'll also de- ruffle some feathers of quote unquote believers too.
0: Okay, I wanted to ask you this, unrelated to to that topic. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think the link is between trauma and per? Uh, paranormal experiences, because when you study these cases, it seems like for the paranormal to become a positive, good experience and people to feel this overwhelming love after they have experiences, they need to go through a lot of trauma either uh, during their life that then uh, sparks paranormal trauma that then sparks the positive side of the phenomenon. So is trauma always necessary for paranormal phenomena to manifest? Uh, Not at all. Nope. Ask anybody who's done mushrooms
1: or ayahuasca you don't you don't need it um buddhist monks have been reporting on you know seeing through the veil just based on meditation and and focus and concentration Mm -hmm. you know do you have a mystics that are religious like saint francis where he had this ability to sort of commune you know use that word loosely with animals i have a family member who i won't say too much detail but Mm -hmm. they lived on a farm and um Had this intuition and could kind of sort of speak to animals in a way. Had a psychic ability. So they had this very mystical side. They can kind of see things in advance um, that were coming and or things that were happening that other people didn't know. That person didn't need to go through some trauma to, to get that. It was something that because they're, they grew up close to animals and to nature and lived in that way, it was they developed it. Um, I do think that there are people just like some of us are awesome at basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, there, There's some people that are just awesome at being psychic or being a psychic medium. It's, it's something that is in their genetic makeup And the right genetic makeup born, you know, in the right environment somehow manifests, you know, this ability. And it's just like someone can have great genes to be a basketball player, but, you know, unless they're in the right environment and get the right experience and have the right coaching, et cetera, then... They're not going to be the greatest. So I think um, that mystical element is in so many aspects of our life. We we all have mystical experiences, and and that's why kind of ingest, but but seriously, you know, refer to uh, the podcasters as mystics too, because we, we all have our own spiritual journey. And like you said, doing your your podcast, which takes on uh, the Gaia hypothesis and so much more, that is a spiritual in, endeavor. And. Anytime you go on a spiritual endeavor, you're you're going to have mystical moments. Period. Yes. You know, does that make you mystic with a capital M? I don't know. I guess not. Someone like Cheryl Costa, I would say, yeah. You know, because she spent years not only uh, meditating and experimenting with different religion like Wicca and Buddhism. She also transitioned from a man to a woman, and so she's a transgender woman now. Mm-hmm. And she also researches uh, ufology and is very spiritually minded. So her experience is. Ex- Experience about self discovery. And when you do a deep dive like that, you know, I think that it's fair to call that person a mystic because now, with all her experiences, she can see things. Like some people can see auras, right? Like she can see spirits. She can be in a, a graveyard or this place or that place. And, you know, she gets a vibe or gets a sense of, oh, okay, something's going on here. That to me, that's a mystic. I don't have that ability. Uh, someone like Tyler Henry, who was a, a guest on the show recently, mm-hmm. he is a. a He's legit. He's the, the the real deal. And that is someone I would absolutely title a mystic for sure. And what makes I think a mystic truly a mystic is is humility. And so he has this amazing ability where he can communicate with consciousness on the other side, whatever that is, whatever that other side actually is, and relate information to people in the here and now that only that person would know. you know, not something you can look up on Facebook or Google it or you know, very intimate information. And also he has the ability to portend what is going to happen for some people and get it right so for me i would love to see a conversation between tyler henry and neil degrasse tyson and i would (laughs) love to see tyler henry read neil degrasse tyson because if if we can make a believer out of neil degrasse tyson then then uh, science is going to have an explosion of paranormal research
0: do you think okay this other consciousness um, do you think it, like it's the consciousness telling him this information, or do you think it is more like some kind of collective unconsciousness that we are all connected to? So he's he's not necessarily getting information from another being, entity, or consciousness or spirit, but rather is tapping directly into the consciousness that is connected to the person with the information.
1: The the person that they're talking to or the person on the other side?
0: Uh, the person that they're talking to. I don't necessarily believe that there is a person on the other side. I mm-hmm. believe it is just a giant network of these tendrils that uh, connect all of us. Mm.
1: Yeah, I've asked that question before. And the responses that I've gotten from the, the psychics that I've discussed is that no, I, I'm clearly getting something that's separate from this person. Mm-hmm. It's an impression, it's a vibe, and sometimes it's something that they can see. But if we we're to really keep an open open mind, maybe what they're seeing, which seems separate, maybe what they're hearing or feeling, which seems separate, is really just them tapping into the super consciousness mm-hmm. of reality, pulling it from that person's mind, right? And then, and bringing it to their mind. But that, that doesn't explain when they get communication from some sort of entity or guide, whatever it might be, about someone's future or where, let's say, I don't know, there's like a bracelet, you know, that's it's behind your desk in your bedroom, right? hmm and then they go home and there it is. That's not coming from that person's mind. It's coming from somewhere else. And maybe that is the Akashic Records or the super consciousness of the universe. I think that we have to at least allow for that. And I, and I mean that soberly, because even the, for decades now, quantum physics has befuddled even the best minds that we have, because the quantum reality seems to contradict the newtonian reality and any quantum physics any physicist and uh a theorist would agree with that that they have a really hard time understanding how spooky action at a distance how that works uh why is it you know when you look at you know el- uh, electrons being uh, shot from an electron gun uh, into the, the double split experiment right
0: mm-hmm.
1: where when you look at it it behaves uh, like an electron. And then when you look away, it behaves like a wave. Like it's been proven that there's an observer effect on the quantum level, not the Newtonian level, not on the, the big scale. You know, we're not talking about, you know, full atoms. We're not talking about molecules. Mm-hmm. So it's a very strange conundrum.
0: It is essentially co creation. In a sense
1: it kind of is. And that's why it's one of those things where science, you know, I think got ahead of themselves, way ahead of themselves in a good way. But it was like, what do we do with this? They still don't know exactly what to do with it. But eventually I'm I'm sure we'll get there that unified field theory will will be found and then then we can really uh, get deep into okay is time travel possible? How many dimensions are there actually? And how do we get there? But I don't know. I mean, that could be another hundred years before we get to that place.
0: Yeah. But maybe let's say why we don't have time travel is Mm -hmm. because we perceive time as linear because Mm -hmm. uh, all of civilization is based on the imaginary concepts of linear time, which maybe does not even exist, but it is a way for all of humanity on earth to synchronize and collectively work as a society and a civilization, you know? So you can't easily break that um, because everything that we have now is based in this ability for all of humanity to synchronize in this fantasy of a linear time, a concept. But what if time is not linear at all? And we discover that. Will we really want to lose uh, everything we have built Mm -hmm. due to a fantasy?
1: Well, I mean, that's what quantum, some theories suggest that time isn't exactly linear, but the observer effect Seems to make it linear. So the outermost reaches of the universe that we haven't seen yet don't maybe don't exist yet until we get a telescope big enough to (laughs) see it. But then. It's just like, you know, if a tree falls in the woods, you know, does it make a sound? To my mind, it's like, yeah, it makes a sound. We just didn't hear it. Mm-hmm. Um So if there are aliens out there traversing from, I don't know, let's say let's let's go crazy. let's say three hundred light years from now, and they f- they figured out how to come and visit us, then they're they're functioning within the same linear structure that we are as well, because they're coming from their place. they're traveling, and they're coming to our place, just like if I were to leave the United States and go visit you in Europe, then, it's you know just because you have your own reality and I have my own reality we never talked before doesn't mean our realities don't independently run along the same timeline they do except for the you know except for relativity of course but so I I think I think that the the co-creating aspect of it is what creates a linear timeline so which means the very nature of reality has been structured to be linear, even if its substructure is non-linear. if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I understand. There is this, I don't know if it's called the data hypothesis or something like that, information mm-hmm. hypothesis, but essentially that the universe is not composed of matter, but rather of data. And mm-hmm. the more consciousness experiences the experience of reality, the more it manifests reality.
1: Right. Yeah. That's That's pretty much, Pretty much where I'm where I'm at with that, but again, it's all it's all hypothesis and speculation.
0: So, so what if the unknown is mm-hmm. this borderland of the known and the un, uh, the known and the unknown, the undiscovered that lures us into manifesting more and more of the universe by observing it? What if the universe wants to expand but is using us to expand itself?
1: Uh, it depends. Because it depends on how you phrase that. Because it's just like the theologian question is God separate? Is God a separate entity and creating, and we are an extension of that creation? Or is everything God Mm -hmm. at the same time? So, like, you and I sitting here thinking is equivalent to a neuron in the brain. So without the neurons, there is no brain. So we are a part of the brain, and and, and that's kind of how I, I I see it. So there is no singular separate consciousness. It's all one expansive yes. consciousness.
0: Yeah, it's just like the Gaia hypothesis, but taken from just the planet Earth to the whole mm-hmm. universe.
1: Yeah, and and this is what how I wish I wish all these monotheistic religions would would see would Experience their their God or speak of their God, which is why I can't stand pronouns. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm I'm much cooler with like if you're a pagan and you know you have a pantheon of gods and men, women, this and that, uh, then I'm much cooler with that because it's really there's an understanding that one of the, each of those gods is kind of a symbol for something, mm-hmm. right? It, yes. it represents something. Um, whereas the monotheistic religion, you know, the idea that God is a he makes absolutely no sense. It's wholly nonsense. There is no father, right? There is no man with genitalia that looks masculine right that
0: well like, that's us projecting uh, ourselves onto God ex- exactly
1: yeah and so that that I don't like because language is is powerful you know language is everything for us symbols language code and so if you're constantly saying he father he father him you are enforcing within your mind whether you are astute enough to understand that God is bigger than that right you're still that code is is reinforcing in your subconscious the masculinity the masculinity the masculinity the, masculinity, the masculinity. Masculinity, male, mm. so male, you're, male. You're
0: solidifying the the archetype within your the,
1: mind. Yes, and the importance of mm-hmm. like, it, it elevates men over women in that regard even if you're even if you're kind-hearted like even if you get it and you're like no god doesn't mean that it you're still participating in that but
0: if we are co-creating the universe if we are solidifying that idea are we then co-creating a more masculine god and making it a reality then well maybe you're yeah maybe
1: that's right maybe that's why there's you know so many of the stories in the bible are are aggression in the old testament yes (laughs) because look i mean guys we have testosterone you know it's like nothing to feel guilty about we just we just do and like when off not not all not all boys and not all girls nothing's absolute but for the most part boys when we're younger we're rougher you know like we bump each other we sometimes make fun of each other we hurt each other we we love crushing cars and breaking things mm-hmm. and playing with Godzilla and that the you other know, there is a, an aggressive component to to men and that's okay because to my mind that it was supposed to be the our purpose was to be stronger so that we can protect right like that's like biologically evolutionarily that that's that made sense Sense to me, you know, not to be aggressors, not to dominate, but to protect, to keep the balance.
0: I think it is very valuable that you're saying that we should be mindful of the vocabulary we use. Mm And how we formulate these uh, folklores, because if we are really co-creating and manifesting a reality around us, um, the way we define reality and even talk about it is essentially contributing to the manifestation of that reality. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah exactly. And, and you, can, you asked about this earlier, and I do think that we are subtly, subtly affecting reality. Which is to say, that's why you don't see, you know, suddenly Bigfoots popping up everywhere because people are thinking about Bigfoots because they just saw, you know, a, a movie about Big. But you do have instances where people are seeing things, maybe not detectable on camera, but shared experiences where someone sees the, the tall man or the thin man, where somebody sees a ghost. Are we manif- manifesting that so that our conscious mind could perceive it, but instruments of, of, of science can't?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I do believe that like you said, we we are programming our reality and the best way to evolve as a society is to take out, get rid of the corrupted programs, you know, in our system and keep the ones that work and yes. then move forward. And that's how we should evolve. <laughs> like, okay, this isn't working. This is a corrupt program. Let's get rid of it. Um, Let's run our virus, antivirus
0: well, and, you know, move on. We know the paranormal is, you know, scary and dark and edgy, mm-hmm. but I don't promote that on my show. Even if it is, I don't care. Let's talk about it in optimistic terms. Let's talk about mm-hmm. the paranormal as a muse that can be used to channel creativity and inspiration. The more we talk about it, the more we solidify this idea in people's heads that, wow, this mystical thing, we, we should not be scared about it. We should we should harness it, maybe. We should create art, Based on Mm -hmm. it, which is a much more positive thing than, you know, saying, oh, there's a wolfman out there and I need to buy a semi automatic to shoot it down. (laughs) So just the way we podcast and talk about these (laughs) topics influences public perception on the topics and manifests, you know, the phenomenon. Yeah, I'm gonna
1: I'll, I'm gonna say something that's you know similar, kind of political, I guess, in the U.S., but I don't see it that way. Uh, but you know, my wife was just was just talking to someone and, and telling them how was her or the person you're speaking to, but they're they're talking about going to Scotland. And oh yeah, the woman we were speaking to, she was her son was going to Scotland on a trip. And in 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 England, in, in general, like there's a lot of these big properties, and on the properties you have ancient ruins. Mm-hmm. Well, culturally there, like it's not taboo to literally. walk... Walk up to someone's house and say, "Do you mind if we go and check out this ruin?" And oftentimes the response is something like, "Sure, here. Would like some tea before you go?" Right? Mm-hmm. In the U.S., depending on where you are, you walk into someone's property, they're going to meet you at the door with a gun. Yeah. And and then you look at the United States and you you think, "Why are there so many shootings? What's with gun violence in this country?" And I do have to wonder if that is our not me particularly, but (laughs) enough people, enough people within our border had that mindset of like, the gun is the law. The gun is right. The gun is the way and the the worship of it. And maybe that is like the opposite of saying a prayer, right? Collectively, it it creates a subconscious effect on our society that's kind of toxic. And then, then we have people that are growing up in this garden, you know, that mm-hmm. the nutrients this individual is being fed, if they are in just the wrong mental state, they pick up on this these these, these micronutrients of of this intention of aggression and
0: what is mine is mine and blah,
1: and and it's like a like a magic like a black magic.
0: Well, it could be you know the shared unconsciousness or something like that, you know.
1: Right, and that's what I mean. Yeah, black magic. Like it's this this energy that has been created by this mindset and i you know i I grew up in a household where my father was in you know served in a war and um he was not big on guns at all
0: at all because he had enough of that in his life
1: he he knows what what happens and he was on both ends of both ends of that there was was no place for except for you know certain absolute needs for it. And the the culture of worshiping it, the culture of being of a disposition where instead of love thy neighbor, it's get off my lawn, you know, mm-hmm. like is is maybe create something, some kind of psychological like unconscious effect on our country. And I, I do wonder about that. And, and I've also wondered, what if, because I've always said, well, prayer doesn't work because you pray for someone in the hospital, they end up dying anyway. Then someone else prays and someone else lives. And this person prays and the other person dies. And there's no math to it. It's just like, It doesn't seem to do anything. But what if, like I said, it's it's a more subtle effect, and because there's billions of people praying for things to be better, if we stopped all those prayers for a year, what would the world look like? Would it look like the apocalypse? Are those prayers actually having a subtle effect collectively, and we just can't see it because we live in it? You know, it's like fish in water. There's no, we don't we don't know any different. It just. So we look around and go prayers aren't working, but maybe they are. I don't know, you know. Yeah,
0: and like me being an atheist and you I don't know what you are. You're you're not religious at all. Or you you said that. I, I, what are what is the deal, man? Are you religious or not? Oh,
1: no, no, absolutely not. Please okay. don't Please so, do not call me religious. So we are both like very <laughs> yeah.
0: very not religious, but yet yeah, yeah, yeah. we yeah. are not those types of atheists who are like, "No, we should ban prayer. That's you know, mumbo jumbo." No. Like we're actually talking now about the power of prayer. And how it may manifest reality and have some kind of value.
1: Yeah, prayer being intention. Yes, prayer. Yes. Prayer, prayer being like. Well, most people. A-
0: most people need that God in order to focus their intention, just as mm-hmm. some New Age hippie in quotation marks will need whatever whatever they do. Yeah. To focus their intention, yeah. You know, it's just everybody has their own f- flavor of, of focusing their intention, but the focus is the most important part, not what you uh, use to focus. Right. On.
1: Well, okay. So that's why one of the problems they have with Christianity is oftentimes you hear Christ Christ consciousness. And I've, I've I actually have always kind of liked that term because they're using consciousness. They're saying it's not just... Get down and pray for what you want, right? And then show up at church. It's a state of mind that you're supposed to be in. And I think with prayer, it's you know, moments here and there, bits of here and there where you're going, okay, I'm gonna focus and put that prayer out there. But like like Buddhists, like you know, true Buddhists, if you are changing who you are are from a daily perspective literally rewiring your brain through meditation and attention and becoming a better person a loving a more compassionate person like, truly so not the person who walks up to the door with a gun in their hand and says get off my lawn you know like the the person who embodies the buddha consciousness then if you had more people across the world doing that that would be 10,000 times a million times more powerful than prayer because just like you and I having these conversations that's consciousness act- acting acting living. And so if we're having conversations about being constructive and about creating a positive world, then I believe, again, I don't know for a fact, you know, I just, but I believe that that is putting something out into the ether and hopefully having a positive effect.
0: Yes, I I would agree. And I think nowadays, like what we are doing, both of us, we're podcasting, we're recording this, we are imprinting these conversations with all these wonderful people into something that we can share with other people and uh, have it influence them and have Mm -hmm. it cause them to send their own uh, positive intentions. Because as you said, like, like if one person is sending a positive intention, that, that doesn't mean much. It needs to be more of a collective effort. So mm-hmm. we're exactly. contributing yeah. to that by sharing our voices this way.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I I, I hope that having the ability to have podcasts is a way of co-creating our reality because there's a proliferation of podcasts. And I would guess, of course, I might be biased just based on you know what I'm exposed to, but it seems to me that the vast majority of podcasts, um, if, if you exclude political podcasts, are generally positive and so you have you know there, there are things that people are interested in and they're having a good time talking about it and oftentimes it's about solving something whether it', it it's science DIYs um, mm-hmm. at home uh, DIY uh, work it, it's it's about being constructive so now we have millions and millions and millions of people billions probably now listening to podcasts when they're driving to work or when they're trying to put something together at home there's there's people out there that are helpful to them you can go on YouTube and figure out how to your toilet like i did recently you know like they're, they're like these are all little positives that you know if we can proliferate more of that to counter the toxicity like i was mentioning earlier on social media then then we win and so that's kind of one of the other reasons i i've started to learn how to navigate i'm learning how to navigate ufo twitter and twitter in general because i can't tell you how many times i've deleted a tweet that i've either put out or, you know, finish the draft and then decided not to send it because I'm like, no, 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 I'm getting sucked in, I'm getting sucked into this other thing. And I feel like it's much more impactful, even if only a few people see your tweet, to say something that's constructive and meaningful. So, if we can collectively work on not getting bogged down in debates, like I posted something recently on Facebook, and some guy came at me, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Mm-hmm. and I and I was like, "Hey, you know, we can get along. We can talk about this. I, 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 you know, have friends that you know believe the same thing you believe, and we were able to have a civil conversation. And then he came at me again. It was really insulting. And then I was like, "Okay, peace." <laughs> I'm done. It's over. You know, so, but a lot of people get sucked in and then people get angry and they start lashing out against other people and they started with a good intention and they just went down this rabbit hole so
0: but, but from your perspective it's it's as you say it's not just always intention it's also your attention if you uh, provide attention, attention to mm-hmm. those kinds of people then you're contributing to the toxicity so it's yeah. good that you just bail out
1: yeah yeah well that's and that's why this project that I'm working on next my intention i have to keep reminding myself is positive and then i so my te- my attention has to be um not forgetting that as i as i make this because i will be coming at debunkers right mm-hmm. in a, in certain ways and it's so easy to just slip into the you know um, you're a bad person or you know this is so biased you know slap across the face and how how um, insulting it was what you said and i'm now i'm going to come at you with the same bad attitude and prove to you how you're wrong and i'm right it's like no man that's not the way to do it you know yeah but, yeah
0: D- don't be so- a philip class <laughs>
1: Right. And that's, you know what though? There are Philip classes on the believer side too. Yes. That's the thing.
0: Okay, man. Well, thank you for doing this discussion. This was very interesting. And like, I, I even don't, I don't know how we got to all these topics. We just sat down <laughs> unplanned, yeah. like for, for the listeners, I told you like a month ago, can we do th- this date now? And then you uh, said, okay, I'm going to get back at you. And you and I guess I did respond.
1: <laughs> I'm so sorry, man. <laughs> no, I put it on my I put it on my calendar. So I was like, oh, I, oh,
0: I must have. Yeah. I did too. And I said, I put like maybe, and then I'm like, okay, he he didn't contact me. We're not doing this. So I had two guests already Ugh. today. You know, I recorded two episodes <laughs> oh already God. before you. And you were like, oh, are we still doing this? And I'm like, um. Okay, sure. Because I am totally punk rock. I love this. Like All we right. just sat down, yeah. totally unplanned, talked mm-hmm. about some cool stuff, yeah. ma- made, I don't know, some kind of psychological imprint that we're going to share with people now.
1: I, I hope so. And and I didn't have a chance to mention it earlier, but we kind of alluded it to it. And that was the documentary Half Light. So if you know people want to go check it out, it's on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash mystic lounge. Or if you just Google Half Light on Tubi, um, you can watch it for free there. As well, eventually it'll be on Amazon. I hope, fingers crossed. But that—that's—that was a project that's all about spirituality, and it's very uh, loving in its approach to the paranormal. It, it was very much a love letter in my in my own heart you know, mm-hmm. to the people I've met, to the topics that we discuss and to the positives that come out of of tragic situations. And whereas my next project is, is going to be much more uh, hard hitting, you know, data and, and analysis. So just like you do, you're on your show, you know, it's like sometimes you just got to shift gears and like yeah. go in, in different directions and it's, it keeps it interesting.
0: I see it as kind of, we are uh, filling out the voids, the nooks and crannies, you know, that nobody mm. else fills out. So y- you need to fill out uh, various different types of nooks and crannies. So, you create varied content.
1: Yeah, I think I like that. Filling out the nooks and crannies for yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, because, you know, the big shows gain the mass appeal, you know, but then mm-hmm. there are so many various different people on the sidelines who do not have content that appeals to them. Now, yeah. those are the people that I am trying to appeal to.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's like I always encourage people to go down these fields. If you can always step away and look at it objectively as possible, look at yourself objectively. Are you getting wrapped up in it too emotionally? It should be something that's fun. You know, getting lost in the mystery is, is fun and exciting. You know, you are talking about earlier about being scared. You know, still, like if I if I walk into the woods in the middle of the night, my, my, my feelers are going up, right? My mm-hmm. senses are definitely going to be heightened. And that, but that experience is just, you know, you're kind of your survival mode kicking in, but, you know, not like to the nth degree but just enough that it's kind of a thrill. And I think that's where the paranormal should be. And if, if it goes past that, then I caution people, don't get wrapped up in too deep in anyone's conspiracy theory, because any of these theories, one piece of data can change, one eyewitness testimony can be proven false, perhaps at one point in time. And, and now, where are you? How much time did you spend wringing your hand or being anxious or or investing your time and money into to a, an, an idea or? a person only later to um, find out something wasn't quite right there. So just be careful, you know, but have fun at the same time. Mm
0: -hmm. I think the most uh, valuable piece of advice that you can give somebody is actually the tagline of your own show, which is live in the mystery. Yes. (laughs) And we're ending the episode on that now. Thank you, Alan, for joining me today. I will link everything in the uh, episode description and your YouTube channel as well. And for the listeners, please check out his documentary Half Light, which can be watched on the YouTube channel as well.
1: Hello? Thank you, (laughs) Vuk. (laughs)
0: I I thought I'd just leave you hanging just for a moment. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I love those bits. I'm not even going to edit that out. That that was, (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate you, man. Thank you. But yeah, uh, listeners. So check out the documentary links in the episode description. And I guess until next time, bye-bye and live in the mystery.